for oh, the one song thing. is great. You are insane. No, well, I like Peter Gabriel. Well, you know what? No, you don't. Yeah, you're, now do. you're no longer no. allowed to listen to Peter Gabriel. Shut up! I get to listen. I'm to I'm banning whatever. you from you, all Peter you don't Gabriel. Have that power. Are you sure about that? I don't that? think you have. Oh, don't that make power. me go put on my Tempest shirt. Whatever. <laughs> I will Girl, listen to Games Peter, Without Frontiers. Sledgehammer with is a abandoned. great fucking video. Hard disagree. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Gen Extemporaneous. This is a podcast where I come up with an idea, I do some research, I grab a bottle of wine, I bring everything to Mark, and he pontificates. In this episode, the second in our accidental 80s arc, we are discussing perhaps one of the most defining cultural moments of the decade, the creation of MTV. We will discuss the history of video and MTV's inception, as well as the critical twist of fate that occurred to cause a sea change for the struggling channel that had run through almost all of its startup capital. We will also talk about the influences MTV had on pop culture, and finally, we will chat about our favorite and least favorite videos. Mark and I are bound to insult someone's musical taste with this episode, but remember, we're Gen X. We got our sensitivity chips late in life, and we're still learning how to use them. Hi, Mark Snedeker. Hello, Christina LaRusso. So, um, did you leave the wine in your car? Uh, um, well, as you know, Mark, I have stopped drinking the wine. That seems like a mistake. No, it's the best thing in the world for my acid. Well, then can we just, like, Start drinking turpentine or something? I mean, what, <laughs> no. what, what works? Well, it's just going to be water for me from now on. That is the, terrible. I'll peer pressure you into doing something. <laughs> no, you will not. Mm, All right, Mark, I, though? aren't we excited to talk about this subject today? I feel like this is a t How have we not talked about this before? Well, you're just waiting for the right inspiration. I guess so. so because you can't really just go, hey, guys, remember MTV? And when, remember when MTV used to always play music videos? Yeah, they suck now. Yeah, they sure do. <laughs> I loved MTV. Okay, me too. All right, hey, we have social media, everybody. Blah, blah, blah. Peace yeah. out, Cub Scout. That's a terrible episode. You have <laughs> to, really for funny. us, we always have to find the angle. We do have to find the angle, and we found it. Um, we are going to be talking as, as a part of our accidental 80s. Arc, we're going to be talking about MTV and the fact that it almost didn't come to fruition. But yes, this is a genius idea for an arc. Way I, to go, Christina! <laughs> That's so great. And this episode even is the best. I, I did come up with MTV. Mark helped with the arc without spoiling the surprise. Right. Give me a hot take on MTV. Well, MTV was so great. Remember when they used to play videos all the time, and now they don't, and they suck. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate your support. We have social media. <laughs> I loved MTV uh -huh. back in the day. Yes. There was a period of time from about 1983 through about 88, 89, I would say, where MTV was a part of my day every day. If they had, I think I've mentioned this before, but they had a TV room in the uh, campus center. Mm -hmm. at uh, William & Mary, and with the very few exceptions like Super Bowl or the Olympics, that thing was on MTV 24-7. Nobody was like, oh, hey, can we catch the latest you know, episode of Knight Rider? No, you can't because we're watching fucking David Bowie. <laughs> you know, you cannot change from MTV. We didn't even have a remote. They had one of those old cable boxes where you push down a little black switch or whatever for whatever channel you wanted. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, but if you like even walked towards the box, you would probably be tackled and beaten within an inch of your life. We, and we would just watch it in between classes, after classes, instead of classes. You know, we would just log hours and hours in that room watching MTV. I had the same situation. I was younger than you were. So I wasn't listening in college. I was listening in high school. Yeah. Which, so you had know, tons yeah, of free time. I had loads of free time. And I was just saying to the kids the other day, my kids, you don't understand what it meant. It was all the things. And I said, you can't possibly imagine. Like every day you would go home from school, after school. Well, I would turn on MTV and sit there and watch videos. And Actually, you know what? Yes, they can imagine. 
imagine that you didn't have a phone and TikTok was on TV. Because well, they do that, yeah. right? They'll go home and they'll watch TikTok videos for 10 hours. That's true. So very similar, except we were all watching the same thing at the same time. There was more, I mean, that's just how TV worked back then. It was more communal in the sense that everybody watched the same thing pretty much at the same time. Correct. And we would do, I don't know if you would do this with your friends, but it's the same thing that you see the kids doing with their phones is the friends would come over and you would just sit and watch MTV and you would yeah. interact. It would be sort kind of, of like, Beavis and Buttheadish. Yeah. It's like, oh, that video sucked, bro. <laughs> that was the worst video ever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I hate that one. <laughs> yeah. So like... Who's this guy? He sucks. <laughs> You're very good. And remember at when it. they did that for Led Zeppelin? They're like, "Damn it, Beavis! Oh, it's gonna get cool." So much. <laughs> Let go of your hangups. So much. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so much. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I told you, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this video is cool. <laughs> da, 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 da. I remember that episode of Beavis and Butthead. Okay. And that's where MTV was so genius because they were, you know, trying to really cultivate that rebel culture that they would play videos for a while and then they started making fun of videos, right, with Beavis and Butthead. Right. Uh, making fun of their own culture. And just continually reinventing themselves, uh, like Madonna, right? Yeah. So, and they would say, "Oh, okay, uh, kids are starting to get into rap. Yo, MTV Raps is now on." Well, we're going to talk about yeah. all of that. Oh, so wow. let's let's get into it a little bit here first, as we like to do. Let's take a trip down memory lane. All right. <laughs> I can't go back to the Renaissance this time, everyone. No. I like to try and do it every episode. You but do. Like, I can't. what are the historical roots of MTV? <laughs> Well, as a matter of fact, um, the, the first music kind of video type things that were happening were things like Hard Day's Night by the Beatles. Right. So, you know, they were putting in, as we remember from uh, Beatles Get Back episode mm -hmm. that we did, Right. Paul was very much wanting to push the boundaries in terms of media. Yeah, well, multimedia action. So yeah. he, they would do these concept movies based around an album or whatever, and each song, you know, that they played through the movie, I mean, it would... They weren't just sitting there playing the mu instruments, right? They no, were, the whole story was the, happening. Yeah, right, they're, yeah. They're running at high speed, you know, through <laughs> jumping on double-decker buses and yeah. whatever the fuck they did, right? <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, and so then, you know, so you have the Beatles, and then you have going into really the 70s, the monkeys. Right. And the entire TV show of the monkeys was like videos with some dialogue right they would between. have a little story and then all of a sudden like it's music time and right. then they would you know do a little you know they would have a chase or yeah whatever <laughs> right. and they would have they would There's be an excuse to play one of, of their madcap Beatles rip off songs right? Right, exactly <laughs> well and interestingly enough if you think back to also maybe even banana splits those were like little videos right. with puppets doing the well, musical yeah, interlude exactly. but i mean those were like little videos in between sandwich in between cartoons by the way banana splits remember out. the monkeys people they become important here in yes, a little bit as a matter of fact well here you are mike nesmith yes <laughs> who, who always seemed like kind of the most savvy of the monkeys, right? Yeah. You know, he kind of had, he had some stuff together and he obviously had, you know, his, as we said about Paul, his fingers in a lot of pies at a certain point. Indeed. And I wanted to sort of put out there the fact that Mike Nesmith really was the one who kind of invented he came up with the, the idea. idea of MTV. Yeah. So if television stations were like radio stations, wouldn't it be cool if they played videos? That's what we could do. We could start a program, we'll call it Pop Clips. Hi, welcome to Pop Clips. I'm Jack Armstrong. We'll put it together, and then we'll try to sell it. Well, he thought that idea was great, and he did it like a, a kind of a cobbled together thing where they used the the clips that were available. Now, these clips that they used were coming from record companies who would produce clips of their artists, you know, maybe doing a live performance or just singing something in the studio, whatever. They'd make kind of videos yeah. that they would then send overseas to promote. And the Brits were doing it the opposite direction. So Where were these being played? Like in clubs and some stuff? Some were being played in clubs. Some were being played for record, record executives oh, because like, you were trying yeah. to get 
them to be interested in your property. And so it would go, it was, there was a transatlantic yes. <laughs> trade in, in clips. The Brits had kind of a leg up on us because starting, I think in 1964, they had a program called Tops of the Pops. Right. Now did they do, I thought that was mostly like live performances. It was it live performances, but they did have film like, clips that oh. they, they used in those as well. Clever, clever. Very clever. So uh, so the Brits were a little bit ahead of the, the game, but Mike Nesmith cobbled up a couple of videos that he had together, and he went and he presented them um, as a like a promo, like this should be an idea, a good yeah. this could be a good idea. Um, so he he went to the, none of the three major networks were interested in that. What a shock! <laughs> what a They're shock! They're usually such fountains of creativity <laughs> and um, and uh, groundbreaking it, art. Right, exactly. Um, so he ended up going to John Lack, who was running a kind of an upstart channel for the Warner. Uh, corporation which is called Nickelodeon. I've heard of this channel. Ah, so he was he was heading up Nickelodeon, and he said, "I think that that idea has merit, but let me test it." So he took it on to Nickelodeon, and they played it at some crazy time in the night, and it was just phenomenal response. Really, to this pop, yeah. this very short pop clips episode. Yeah, um, people which were eating it up. They really were because there was no real programming. I would die to know which videos those are. Well, one of them I know was Blondie Dreaming. Oh, okay. Which is a good choice. There you go. Absolutely. Um, and but, 30 of them were Rod Stewart? <laughs> no, that's MTV. I know. <laughs> that's MTV in the first day. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Rod had a lot of free time. Rod. He just was cranking out videos. <laughs> that's a film He's like, clip. I don't care if any, nobody ever sees these. I'm going to make 30 videos, and I'm going out to play soccer. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. <laughs> they, they had this fantastic response. Then they started hiring people, people with careers in radio, yeah. young young people generally, youngest right. younger crowd that they were hiring. So they kind of brainstormed this idea of how would this look, and they went to the co-owners at the time, Warner and Amex, and they went in through this room full of suits, and these yeah. young guys go in, and they're like, "This is what you know, this yeah. is what we want." Dude, to do. here's here's our idea. What do you think, gnarly, <laughs> huh? <laughs> they played like a lot of Olivia Newton-John yeah, in yeah. the sample. Yeah, yeah. And when they did... Does Dan Fogelberg have any uh, videos yet? <laughs> Christopher Cross? Yeah. Do we have any, any Christopher Cross? No, so Little when, River Band? No? <laughs> nothing? Okay. So they, so they had they, this presentation they went through, and they kind of turned to the Amex guys, and they go, well, what do you think? Having said that, Lou Gerstner did look at it and say, do we really have to play all that loud noise? And when it was over, Steve looks at Jim and goes, well... What do you think? Well, you know, I wasn't so short, but my daughter and I were discussing it last night and I showed her a couple of the clips. And she says, Dad, this is the next thing. You got the first 25 million. She's right. <laughs> so there is almost a little right. part could one have easily, that could easily without been that, without that I don't know daughter. who that girl is, Thank but you. bless you. You're Thank now you, 60 years old. So. <laughs> I have a cocktail with you and yes. pat you on the back. Absolutely. So by this point, Mike Nesmith just drops out. He doesn't. He's watching from the sideline. I have to think he got some kind of payoff. Payoff for this, but he's he, got to have some piece of the action. He, or that's something. what I mean, like something. So, but what they ended up getting from from Warner Amex was twenty five million dollars of startup funding. Right. And then this, then they start developing the logo. Yeah, they were really struggling with the logo, I guess. And he hired some graphic artist that he thought was cool. And they were looking at all these logos, and they were all just not right. And then he saw, like, in the guy's garbage, right, this this kind of stylized M. He's like, that, that's what I want. So he pulls out the artist pulls out this M, and he's like, okay, what about this? And he spray painted TV on it. And the guy's like, fuck yeah. Give me some color treatments, whatever. Let's do it. And then so this guy send him like, I don't know, I assume like just short of a quadrillion <laughs> different version of MTV with different colors. And he's looking at them all on his board. And he, I guess at some point he started looking at him in sequence. He's like, yeah, just flash through them. Change it every, you know, second or whatever. Yeah, you know, just so yeah, they it, don't have a okay. seizure. But. Yeah, right. Not so fast that it triggers, you know, light sensitive people, but, right. uh, you know, fast enough that it's cool. And so that's how you got like, you know... What was your favorite one? The hot dog with ketchup on it? No, I like the one that was the, um, it had the zebra stripes in the end. Oh, yeah. 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 I can't remember what the TV, but the TV was meant TV to be was sp probably like, spray painted on. Yeah, but sometimes they would do it like, so there was one where it was like, the M was made out of hot dogs, and then they went, 
with a ketchup <laughs> thing and did the TV that way. It was, I mean, it was just, you know, it meant to be edgy and cool, which at the time, sure as fuck was. So they had to struggle to find product or, yeah, they or didn't like have, videos. They, they didn't, didn't have, have that many. So they were just kind of running every single thing that they could find. They're like, when we launched, we only had about 250 videos, and that's not enough for a network. Bob Emmons says 250. We had closer to 120. We would play anything that came through that door. We didn't have meetings. Say the first six months, if we got like three or four videos in a week, it was like the Red Cross in a disaster area getting plasma dropped from a helicopter. I mean, it had to be pretty bad for us not to play it. What garbage ass band has you know anything has has videos and we'll take it. They had there was no there was no you know uh, there was no um, curating of the video. It was like, is it a video? Does it have music? It's in. It's right? in. And, and they're yeah. like, um, by the way, Rod Stewart sent like thirty videos. Whatever, he's in rotation. <laughs> Put him in. Pat Benatar was Pat Benatar early had, on. Had, was um, like number two or three song. The second one. Yeah. Okay, so not only are they trying to find the material, the the inventory to play on air, they're trying to figure out how is it going to work. Yeah, like what's the format? Yeah. What, are, what, are the, what is the format? So they latched upon the idea that it would be sort of album-oriented rock would be yeah. their format because yeah. they were thinking about how radios are programmed, right. radio stations are programmed. And all, as I mentioned, all of the, a lot of these people came from a radio background. Right. And so they decided it was going to be album-oriented rock, and then hopefully they had a video. But right. then they, they thought, well, who's going to be our presenters? Right. And so they go through a slew, and they just said, okay, but this is what we want. We want the vixen. We want the girl next door. We want a white guy. We need a black guy. And we need a guy with a, a curly Italian hair. Like, no, like a jock, a good, oh, yeah, like, yeah. and then an affable good guy. So who those people ended up being for the Vixen was... Nina Blackwood. The black guy. J.J. Jackson. The, By the way, they hired the wrong J.J. Jackson. That's they right. They really wanted to hire this guy, J.J. Johnson. And when they sh they couldn't find him at any radio station, and they're like, well, we have a J.J. Jackson. He's like, okay, let me talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> and they were just like, they're like, oh, he seems cool. Hired him. And, so, and he was like the elder statesman. Yeah. So girl next door. Martha Quinn. Okay, okay, so the boy next door. Alan Hunter. Okay, and then the jock. Is that Mark Goodman? Yes. Is he a jock? Yeah, he's supposed to be like the jock, the, the affable good okay. guy. Those were the obviously the initial five Honestly, he DJ, looked more like, or, to me, he looked more like uh, Bruno from fame. He did. He should be surrounded by 35 keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> he did, he did. Who was your favorite? I think, uh, I liked Alan Hunter. He I was good. Alan too. And Martha, of course, was you always was always good. But, yeah. I mean, I wasn't like hot for her like some guys are. I don't know. Yeah. I was never a big Nina fan. Like I don't Me, love the I, whole. I perm. didn't look at her and think, "Wow, that's a hot vixen." But I mean, Even she did have the, the raspy cigarette voice, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I guess that's where that came from. Anyway, all right. So those were the initial VJs. They were known as video jockeys, which nobody knew what a VJ was. Nobody knew what it was, and they didn't really know what they were going to do. They, right. They started out where it was going to be a little bit more scripted. Yeah. And then. It, they realized as they were going through, I think, rehearsals even, yeah. that that scripted approach just wasn't sucked. really working. So yeah. then they just became, they were ad-libbing the entire time. Right. Which, can you imagine the pressure of that? Um, That'd be a lot. Girl, that's my life. No, I know that it, for the podcast, for one hour, but they would do three or four hour stretches. I have zero. You, I bet you I could do it. Oh, my God. I don't know if I could do it. So so the the moral of the story is they should have made me a VJ. Perhaps, Mark. I know. Well, you could have. You could have, actually. You would have been right old age. enough. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so as I mentioned above. Nobody asked me, though. I know. Well, you weren't in the right place at the right time. No. What I, I mentioned before that the Brits were really active in having yeah, head of their, the game in their videos uh, together. They gave a lot, a lot of product to MTV. Yeah. As a result, it really helped to spearhead the second British yeah, invasion. The new wave, whatever you want to call it. New yes. romantic, whatever. Yeah. Along with that came acts like Flock of Seagulls and Adam and the Ants and The Cure and Isn't there another group in there? Well, <laughs> Are you talking about Culture Club? No. But also Culture but Club. But also Culture Club. Also Wham. But also, and probably the biggest and brightest amongst them because of the quality of their videos, Duran Duran. Video, I mean, for us, it was our big chance. It was, um, it was the, first, the first new thing to happen to music for such a long time. It was like the, the advent of, say, stereo. Mm -hmm. And take a group like Pink Floyd, who really used that to their advantage. They explored it and pioneered it and made something new of it. 
we saw video come along and thought, hey, come on, chaps, we can do something with this. Because everybody else was doing the straight live video. Mm -hmm. Or they were putting, like, pictures of Mickey Mouse to their music, mm -hmm. which had nothing to do with the songs at all. So we, we thought, let's go off on location for a start and do something. Duran Duran. Duran Duran. <laughs> I don't know why, that, when you hear Nick Rhodes say it, it sounds like it starts with a J. It's he's like Duran Duran. <laughs> Nick is very affected. He is. Nick really is. He's just very, I mean, I'm sure that Nick is a cool guy. He's oh, I'm just, sure. He's very affected. The way yeah. he speaks and stuff, it's very like, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Nick, it's Nick, a lot. you're a little extra. You know he, that. Nick is. And I think that Nick would embrace his extra. I think so. All right, so they finally cobbled together enough videos and they're ready to go to air. And here is a big problem, and this is going to continue to be a problem for them until the accident happens. Right. And that is... Couldn't couldn't see MTV anywhere. You couldn't see it because... Cable companies had to be convinced to pick up a channel. And also, cable wasn't around everywhere, right? right. There wasn't cable in every single city. It was all in a lot of rural locations because they didn't have good broadcast TV there. But in the biggest markets, uh, New York and LA, they didn't pick up MTV. They did not. They did not pick up MTV. So a company that was headquartered in New York had to go to New Jersey. Yeah, Fort Lee, New Jersey. To to watch the very first airing of MTV, which was August 1st, 1981. Now, they were so broke. I mean, they had to really... 25 million sounds like a lot to you and I. Right. But in the scheme of things, it's a small... It's a smallish budget. Yeah. So what they had to do was go and find the cheapest ways to do their marketing and to, to put together what they were trying to do with their their um, on-screen imagery and all of the rest. So they were looking for something like, what's the biggest thing that the has biggest happened? Event. What's the yeah. biggest event, but that we also can get free? Yeah. And they they lit upon the moon landing. Right. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. We've gone for main engine start. We have main engine start. Ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. Once that happened, they launch into the very first video on MTV. What is the first well, video? Everybody in the world knows it's the Buggles. MTV starts playing, they start noticing effect in certain areas where MTV is available right. on the cable stations. They already are starting to see the effect. Like some little dinky town in Maine somewhere is like, we're selling out of the Buggles. Who the hell are the Buggles? <laughs> <laughs> We've never, we haven't sold one Buggle album in the last 12 months and now we're sold out. Right. So this was very meaningful programming to kids because one of the things that they realized is that there were, there was a demographic. MTV's target audience is teenagers. Do you want to watch TV instead of watching like a show you watch on TV? I usually turn it on just for the videos. Yeah. And research has shown that in cities only partly wired for cable, certain recordings played on MTV sold extremely well in the wired part of town, not so well in the other part. Yeah, because if you think about it, like TV shows were like, you know, like All in the Family and Sanford and Son. That's not young. That's not skewed towards young demographic, right? No. Saturday morning stuff was skewed young, but that's yeah. skewed really young, right? So Correct. there wasn't as much content out there for filthy teenagers. That's right. And so you would if you would have talked to a kid, honestly, before MTV and said to them, like, you know how much TV do you watch? I would yeah. 
I would argue that kids weren't watching that much TV. Right. I, I suppose it would depend on if you were a latchkey kid. Sure, sure. Or whatever. But like. Uh, but like, where are you seeing music even on TV? I mean, are you staying up late for Don Kirshner? <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, you're not seeing our Saturday Night Live, you know, the musical guest, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really where you would see music on TV or you'd be watching like Lawrence Welk. I mean, well, legit, yeah. you, you don't remember how. How sparse the landscape oh, really it was. it really was. It was a fucking entertainment desert. Well, the boomers were 100% in the prime of their life at that right. time, and so they were the key demographic. Everything is programmed to boomers, and they like pretty much the same stuff then. Yeah. They, they yeah, did. they're like, don't change Just, a thing. No, this we is love great. it. We love this. Okay, so they go through the first little while of MTV being on the air, and it's having some success. As I said, where it's playing, they're showing that record sales are improving. Right. And this is at a time in the industry where record sales had been slumping. Yeah, they were slumping. I mean, after the, you know, kind of the album, the kind of the golden age of albums in the 70s, right? It was slumping. You know, there was just nothing really exciting going on in music. And they weren't investing in their artists yeah. really they I mean, were actually you know who was popular corners. then like Ario Speedwagon <laughs> well this was right? it yeah yeah so they run through almost all of their 25 million startup and here they are they're thinking well we know that this will work but we can't sell it to the record companies they're not giving us enough product right. for free yeah. uh we can't have we don't have enough enough money to get it back we have some money how will we invest this last bit of money cuz this will be it yeah. If we don't, if we don't do this, so they have a little chunk of. And they're money. on like you know five cable ch channels. They're right on now. very few cable channels, and so they finally latch upon an idea, and it is drawn from an advertisement that was done years before. Yeah. About an oatmeal like. Yeah, I want cereal. my. Maypo. Maypo. Yeah. I want my Maypo. Which, by the way, if you could think of a more unappetizing food name than that, <laughs> I would like to hear it. And they had had in those advert and in, in those adverts a, a sports figure who was sitting and, and kind of having a temper fit. Yeah. And saying, "I want my Maypo." Yeah, and they would like voice over a little kid voice, and it's like you know, like uh, Mean Joe Green, yeah, right, or something like right, that. Right. Yeah. They had that thought in their mind, and they said, "Okay, here's what we're gonna do." The idea was. We have to get rock stars like Mick Jagger to go and make a promo that says, I want my MTV. And we're going to ask kids to call their cable companies, and this is going to really ignite a firestorm, or we will go out of business. It's one of those. One of those right? two we're, things. We're pretty sure. So one of the head executives over at MTV knew Mick, and he's like, okay, I'm going to go try to get Mick. So he flies over to wherever the hell Mick was. Paris. Uh, Paris, yeah. And he waits around for Mick. And eventually Mick comes in and he, he's like, so Mick, here's what we want. We're starting this music video channel. Oh, cool, cool, cool. And we want you to tape I Want My MTV. <laughs> he's like, oh, so it's like a commercial. He's like, no, no, no. It's not really a commercial. It's like we're just trying promo. to promote our, yeah, it's a pro we're trying to promote our business. He's like, uh, that's a commercial. I don't do commercial. He's like, well, I remember seeing you, you know, I don't know what he was pimping, some Japanese no, soda was, or something. No, it was something. a fragrance, and his oh, yeah, their yeah. entire tour had been sponsored but by He's that like, fragrance. so you do uh, do commercials, you just need to get paid for them. He's like, okay, yeah, you got me there. <laughs> so he's like, so how much are you going to pay me? He's like, Mick, we have no money. He's like, I, I don't know, I don't really know. He's like, all right, you know what, Mick? I have a dollar in my pocket. And he takes out the dollar and he slaps it on the table. You want to get paid? There, you're getting paid. That's all I've got. And Mick's like, you know what? You're a funny little man. I will do it. <laughs> I will do it. And he did it. He did and it. he did it that same day. Yeah, they're like, they okay. Had, he's like, when do you want to shoot it? He's like, right now. I have a camera in my pocket. <laughs> Let's do it. So they shot him saying, America, demand your MTV. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. Call your cable company and say, I want my MTV. Yeah, and then they would give the name, of the number of the local cable company. Which is that would be genius guerrilla marketing. 100%. It's a marketing, it's a complete freaking workaround and I have nothing yeah. but respect for it. And he they had this really big struggle with this with the with this large cable company that was out of Denver, I think. And he was trying to talk to this guy and he's like, "Look, you know, you, you know, you got to, you know, you really will want this. It's going to change everything. You're going to get new subscribers." The guys like, ah, "I don't get it." You know, I no, I don't think so. So they ran those commercials in that market and guess what they got thousands of calls, thousands. Exactly. Like where they would get like 10 calls a week, they were getting a thousand a day. 
just overwhelming them. People saying, I want my I MTV. want my MTV. And so it wasn't just Mick, though. It was Mick. It was Pete Townsend. Yeah. Because at the same time, someone right. was going to see Mick. He's like, the other hey, guy was Pete, going to see yeah. Pete. Pete, we got Mick, we got Mick Jagger, got by the Mick way. Jagger. He's like, all right, I'm in. I'll do it. Yeah. And Pat Benatar did it. Yeah. Ultimately, Bowie did it. Yeah, Bowie did it in that skiing one. Yeah. I remember the <laughs> He just like skis one. up and he goes, I, I want, want my MTV. MTV. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, okay. Look, if Ziggy Stardust wants his MTV, that's serious business. <laughs> he does. And then eventually everybody, Cindy, I remember Cindy Lauper doing yeah, it. Everybody, I mean, at a certain point, pretty much everybody had done it. And then they started to get whole groups that would go, I want my MTV. I mean, Sting, the, Sting, the police yeah, did it. Police did it, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So they just bludgeoned these guys into carrying the channel. Right. And then fire. And then fire. And then it was a huge cultural event. So that $1 to Mick Jagger. Yeah. Changed, changed everything. the entire face. Yeah, because that's how they got everybody else. They're like, why would I want to do this? Well, Mick Jagger did it. I'm like, oh. And then Mick Jagger, the savior, really, of MTV, went on to make some of the worst videos ever shown on MTV. Shh, because that's coming at the end. I'm just saying. <laughs> he made some bad videos. He's not on my list, but they made some bad videos. Uh, all right. We talked a little bit about sort of the bringing on the, the British invasion. There were, as we said, a number of bands that really caught fire. Yeah. Be Billy Idol is one of them. I, I mentioned Adam Ant before. Um, there were a lot of them mentioned Duran Duran. But I want to bring up the story about Duran Duran and how Do it. methodically done this, this really was. Tell me about Duran Duran. So their managers, Paul and Michael Barrow, determined that they wanted to help Duran break through through in the U.S. Yeah. So they sent over a long-form video that any Duran Duran fan... <laughs> Seven whole minutes. Oh, my God. You snuck to see that. I mean, I really did. It Girls, was spicy. It was filth. Yeah, it, it was, was filthy it was filth. Pure, it was pure porn. It really was. It was like Emmanuel-level porn. Yeah. But it was porn. Yeah, it was like Skinamax porn, It right? really was, yeah. Uh, so they did it for Girls on Film, the long-form version yeah. of the Girls on Film video. And that was, Seven minutes of nipples. And that's <laughs> it was when, so great. And Simon and John doing the yeah. 80s dance in the oh, background. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, so their manager sent that over to the U.S. markets because they knew that in the clubs, people would be playing that video. Right. That kind of helped Duran catch on in the States. Um, what ended up happening, though, is that MTV banned that long from well, long Yeah, form. because they were afraid they would get they banned from the cable companies because they they're showing boobs. They didn't show that. But they did. They but eventually they did it, they edited it. They did it in an edited version. But that really kind of got their foot through the door with you in the U.S. And then, you know, comes Rio, and they are hiring Russell Mulcahy. Yeah. Who went on to direct, like, for instance, Highlander. Yeah. They, ha they hired him to direct multiple of their videos. Yeah, they're not fucking the, around. the Rio uh, Well, the because, Rio they, I mean, they got it, right? They got they that. They did. Yes, they're very good musically and all that, but what really set them apart was they're really good looking, right? And very stylish and looked great on camera. Right. And, and, that, and they knew that. And uh, John has actually pointed to the fact that Simon had theatrical training. Right. And was in commercials and things from a young age on. Yeah. Persil soap, just by the way. Was it? Okay. It was Persil soap. I yes. just, <laughs> just, just happened to know that. Happened to know that little fact. <laughs> yeah, I, believe me, I am me, not getting. I'm not getting in any kind of Duran Duran <laughs> trivia contest with you. <laughs> There's no chance. I'll take you all out. Uh, I'm sure you would. <laughs> um, so he um, he had act, uh, you know, sort of theatrical training, and so John said that's a big part of what yeah. made it good. And then Simon humbly. Agrees. He's like, yes, well, I was quite amazing, wasn't you know, I? You know, he, he was. He was an actor, and he said, you know, for a lot of people that you would see the videos, they didn't know what to do. No, they would just lip-sync their song yeah. or, you know, stand there stiffly or whatever. But he says, for oh, instance. Fuck, I knew what to do. For instance, in Hungry Like the Wolf. I know how to flip a table. What's oh, up? <laughs> there's some table flipping. There's some major table flipping. It's a terribly, very problematic video it's a now. little colonialist, it's a little, yes. A little, little problematic and, and fetishizing and uh, yes, turning well. turning people into animals. But at least I think that was a legitimate fetish that Simon had. So. Well, 
it doesn't matter if he <laughs> has a fetish. But anyway, so he he pointed to that one and he said, when I was running through the, the forest, it it looked like people were really chasing yeah. me. Yeah. Okay, Simon. Okay, I yeah. I mean. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I Wait, hold on. I thought he was chasing her. So, yeah. I mean, the fact to find out that she was chasing Maybe him. Maybe it wasn't that convincing, I Simon. Mr. Le Bon. So, music video then became a very creative format for people who were already creative that they could then make you know do the meld between video and and sort of cha- mix up the media. Now who is making these videos? I mean who's in charge of this stuff? So what was very interesting also Mark because in the in the record labels the people they they weren't too interested in the videos at first. Nobody knew how to do it. Nobody knew how to they do it. They give a was, fuck about it. Right. And so then they decided, well, we'll just pawn that job off on just like kind of the lowly folks. Right. The lowly folks were women. Yeah. And these women made big names for themselves in the industry the ones and who, got to be wined and dined by, by rock stars. Exactly. And, oh. that, I mean, they grabbed the bull by the horns. They're like, this is my chance because I know I'm. they're never going to make me, you know, executive vice president in charge of album development for Prince or whatever, right? Right. They're like, you want to give me videos? Fine. I'm going with videos. And guess what? It got huge. It really did. Really did. So now you have sort of this professionalization of video happening. Yeah. They, they're learning how to do it. Videos are becoming very, very good. Some of them very creatively artistic. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about like the arrhythmics. Right. And, uh, well, obviously, I mean, I'm always going to point to Duran. Yeah, um, of course. Who else do you think did some great videos? Talking Heads were very creative. Uh, Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel. I mean, he had some great ones. Um, now, some of the ones that I think are great are probably going to be on some people's worst list, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But um, I like the police's videos. Yeah. You know? Oh, I yeah. Mean, and they weren't as, as quote-unquote, creative. Like, they didn't depart from, you know, the script of the song that much, generally. Mm-hmm. I thought the ones that were really interesting were where, you know, there was a story, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Duran Duran was by far the best at that. Okay, so MTV in the early days wasn't obviously without criticism, no, in fact, the first hour of MTV was apparently an unmitigated disaster. <laughs> it's available actually on YouTube. Yeah, you can you go can, and watch the first watch two the hours. First two hours of MTV yeah. on YouTube, and, and apparently they like you know say, and that was Billy Squire when really it was Rod Stewart. Yes, yeah, so like they get. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the wrong. default answer should have just been, and that was Rod Stewart. All right, so one of the early criticisms of MTV came from African American artists who felt. As if they were being slighted because their their videos, they weren't seeing representation on MTV. Now, MTV executives, some of them will give a little pushback and they will say, well, we were we were playing like musical youth. And well, you they know. were they their original format in their head was rock and roll was rock and roll, which was at that time dominated by white artists because right. a lot of black artists were starting to go into either pop or rap. Right. right? And MT was definitely not ready for rap. Not right? at they that. Didn't not get at it. that. Well, and that wasn't what they were formatting. And right. the thing is, is then, in retrospect, the executives say when they look back, they realize that they were as groundbreaking as they were trying to be with introducing music television. Mm-hmm. They were still thinking about it as if it was a radio show, right? Which it it isn't. So right. so like if if you have a radio station, you might have a radio station that's all top forty hits. Sure. Um and or rock or heavy metal or whatever, and let's say it is more homogenous in terms right. of artists. Um, but you have t- twenty radio stations in a market but you have to 20 choose ra- from. Right. This was the only music television, yeah. and so black artists, rightfully so, and in specifically Rick James. Black musicians are complaining that they are being left out of the video market, specifically the music television cable operation. That's what's happening. We're, we're, we're being sat in the back of the bus, television style. I don't to know MTV, this is a matter of following a traditional FM radio rock format. But to black recording artists like Rick James, whose videos have been rejected by MTV, it's an example of racism. No, this isn't a Wizard of Oz. I mean, there are black people here, and we spend thousands, a hundred thousand dollars on videos, and we're not doing this for the sake of because we enjoy doing it. We're doing it because it's part of the art, and we're being excluded from the art. Yeah. Uh, he actually had sent in Super Freak. They declined it because they said it was not decent. And it wasn't well, decent. It's Rick James, bitch. <laughs> of course it's not decent. What the hell is wrong with you? But he then went on news reports and such talking about it and saying, you know, they should be playing yeah, black artists. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, then, um, and then there's this very famous interview 
between David Bowie and what well, it was Mark Goodman interviewing yeah. David Bowie and Mark Goodman flubs it. David Bowie just comes right out and says, okay, I've got some questions for you. I'm just floored by the fact that there's so many, so few black artists featured on it. Why is that? I think that we're trying to move in that direction. We want to play artists that seem to be doing music that fits into what we want to play for MTV. There's th the company is thinking in terms of narrow casting. That's evident. Um, it's evident in the fact that the only few black artists that one does see are on about 2.30 in the morning or, in, or to around 6. Very few are featured predominant, no. predominantly during the day. You don't, do you understand? I make like $40,000 a yeah, year. I'm not Bowie. very high up on the MTV <laughs> decision-making tree. That's what he says at the end. He does. He goes, he turns around and he's like, look, man, it's a big corporation. Yeah. I I, mean. I, it's like, bro, I was tending bar last <laughs> week. Okay. <laughs> like, the, and it, it, that's, we joke, but that's, those guys didn't make any money. No, at first. At first. I, mean, they, they, I mean, I'm sure eventually they got paid. Right. right? Their first contract was like 50000 a year. It, it, some of them were less. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah, not a, not a lot so for So pretty the much Mark Goodman was not programming MTV at that point. Right, exactly. So in response to these things, MTV listened. Yeah. And they began to program black artists into the, and the mix. And then they became some of their biggest stars. One of their first ones was one of always their biggest ones. And he came in with Billie Jean. Yep. Look, I know you don't like Michael Jackson. And look, there's plenty of reasons not to like Michael Jackson, but the man was a performer. Oh, 100%. He made great videos. He could dance like almost nobody else in the world. Agreed. Right? When I say that, I mean almost nobody famous in the world. There were plenty of kids that could dance like that. Right. In fact, he told he tell everybody right out, I stole these moves from guys dancing on street corners in the Bronx or wherever, yeah, right? right. But he, he brought that like just to superstardom. And then- you know, and that in turn propelled his album. Do you know that Thriller was the number one album for two straight years? Really, just I didn't because, know that. yeah, because every single song on that album was a hit for one thing. And he was just—I mean, it's hard to overestimate his impact on the early days of MTV. Well, speaking of Thriller, I don't think that we can speak about this section of it without bringing up the fact that Thriller was just an amazing accomplishment. Um, now, you hated not, it. I don't like that video. I like it. I don't care for it, but I understand the art of it. And I understand and and I think I liked it when it first came out. Yeah. I, you know, but I just got it tired just kinda of wore, it. Well, they, and they did put it in pretty heavy rotation. It. But they used to play they used to play it and then they would have a note on the bottom saying Thriller will be replayed again. Yeah. At oh, I remember going to what we called the MTV room yep. at school. And we were there for the premiere. For the world premiere. It was like we yeah. were there watching the moon landing or something. Yeah. Everybody's jammed into the MTV room, right? Yeah. And I was like, shh. Well, do you remember why we were all so hyped up about it? Because it was this big, long-form video? Well, no, because we knew it was coming because MTV actually commissioned a documentary, The Making of oh, Thriller right. Behind Scenes. With John Landis. With John Landis. So yeah. it was the whole Yeah, they, oh, they, they did the good job hyping it up. They did the whole yeah. documentary, which yeah. MTV paid for. Yeah. And within the budget for MTV paying for the um, for the documentary, documentary was yeah. the budget for them to make thrill for for wow. him to make Thriller oh. because they were saying, "Hey MTV, will you make will you right. pay we pay front, us to this Thriller?" And and they said, "No, we can't do that because then we'd open the door for everybody right, else right. to ask us to pay for their videos." Yeah, and so they hid it in the budget, which I yeah. thought was really kind of sneaky. And, and honestly, I mean, and that really at that point MTV was unassailable. Right. Oh, I mean, was... they were just so huge. And Michael Jackson was, you know, similarly huge. And um, he dominated airplays for from for the rest of the 80s, really. Agreed. And I think that there were certain that brought black artists to the attention of people that might not have been yeah. in touch with many. Well, and, African -American for, and for all people. the criticism of Michael Jackson for his kind of, you know, not really, you know, representing the community. Right. Because he was. So, you know, uh, straddling all these cultural lines and, you know, changing right. the color of his face and all that stuff. But he did open that door. He really for the did. Black artists. I would say Prince as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, there's just, there were just 
I think that that really does open up eyes. That I think otherwise... finally Rick James got his video on. I, I remember seeing Rick James on, yeah. on. I certainly saw him on like Night Flight or something. You know that oh, one yeah, that yeah, they yeah. would play late at night. You could yeah. see Duran Duran on that one too. Uh, girls could. on film. Yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's a little bit of that sort of like if I'm thinking about social changes that MTV yeah. brought about, right. that they may have a hand in 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 opening eyes. Right. Certainly by the time. Yo MTV Raps. So that's a little bit after the time yeah. that we're talking about. Yeah. But by the late 80s, I guess, Yo MTV Raps happens. And that also brings middle America into contact with a culture and musical style that they weren't yet that familiar seen, with. Yeah. Now, let's not give them too much credit because it's still the 80s. Right. Oh, I'm and not. And the sensitivity chips are not installed. Oh, definitely not. No, yeah. no, no. No one's even heard of a sensitivity yeah. chip but, at that point. But uh, some of the other cultural lines that they helped break were like the gender uh, Gender and sexuality. And sexuality, for sure. But they didn't come out and say it, even though apparently everybody in the world except for me knew that George Michael was gay. Oh, they I would th- never say it. I, I think actually, like there were a lot of young women in the eighties yeah. that did not recognize that George was gay. <laughs> but like, and and, <laughs> and, and, back. and boy, George. Okay, yes, everybody knows that you know, right? He was probably gay, but they would really more just focus on the fact that he was just so outrageous, yeah, right? Because they didn't want to say he gay. They just, well, they we focused on- Well, they didn't also want to tie transvestitism to, to being gay because that doesn't always necessarily- That's correct. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, they had definitely had a lot more gender bending. And the whole new romantic well, right. fashion uh, was very much, yeah. you know, gender blurring gender Fluid. lines. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then you had um, like Bronsky beat even from the yeah. from the sexuality standpoint right. where you had, it was an absolutely a song about a young gay yeah. man Yeah, and they weren't beaten. flamboyant at all and no. they weren't dressing up, you know, whatever. They were just, you know, singing about a young gay man. Right. right? And then you had um, Sinead O'Connor and Annie Lennox right who were kind of, you know, with Gender the short bending. hair. Yep, yep. Um, and Annie was wearing, you know, in, in Sweet Dreams, she was wearing the suit yeah. and stuff. Love that video, by I the know, way. I know, that's such a cool video. It really opened, I think, a window to a world for mid-country people. Yeah. By that would be me included. Sure. To, you... to see things that the coast... Coast, both coasts get things. We faster. were very cool, Christina. And we are, then, you know, I, I was very jaded by that time. I mean, you know? well, <laughs> with my zero gaydar <laughs> and my racial insensitivity, undoubtedly. Your refusal to wear jeans. My, yes, I wouldn't wear time. jeans. I only wear khakis. <laughs> um, so, what else MTV does is it sparks a lot of trends. Oh, it, absolutely. It, you know, in, it, as well as social kind of awareness, it brings in these. It brings in trends, and so some yeah. of those trends involve clothing. Where we when we talked in the mall episode about okay you know people went to the mall yeah really with MTV MTV is a way that they kind of go ooh that's interesting well yeah I would go oh that's a pretty cool outfit Simon and I would go to the mall and try to find a store that had something that looked similar to it yeah right I mean that's when I put together my you know most new wavy outfit of all time. Yes, I know with the double belts. And yes, the, the oh, so many belts. <laughs> the white, the white trousers. The white, the white pegged kind of almost hammer pants. Maybe hopefully we have a photo and we can put. That I, can, in the I have episode. not found one. So Damn. if any of the people I went to college with, if you have a picture of me. What in, about the one where they're holding you up? Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll we'll play that. We'll yeah. we'll show that one. I yeah. forgot that I I forgot that I had half that outfit on for that picture. So we'll uh, we'll let him see that. Um, for girls, obviously Madonna, Cindy Law, anybody that was kind of pushing the envelope. Yeah. Or on the other side of the coin, you might have like a Samantha Fox or wow. or like you know Hart or others who have like just the huge big hair. Pat Benatar. Oh, yeah. oh my Full god! Full mall In hair. In the early right? '80s, Pat Benatar was a vibe. Yeah. You remember Pat Benatar with like the she had the headband oh, on yeah. and then Absolutely. the like short hairstyle. Oh my god! Yes, for sure. So that was very very important. But MTV also reached into things like television and movies at the time there was this you know mtv was very kind of like high energy and frantic in the way they would edit things right like imagery guitar riff imagery guitar riff lightning strike you know i mean like they would just smash cut these things together and that became um a style right and they knew that that was a style that appealed to this young demographic so you started seeing commercials, which, by the way, there are some amazingly bad commercials trying to 
kind of siphon off that energy. Yeah. And, you know, they'll have white kids doing bad break dancing or something, <laughs> you know, trying to sell, I don't know, a pencil holder or whatever the oh fuck. God. And rock and roll, you know, trying to sell sell things, butter or whatever. But they, <laughs> but there were, there was a, like this kind of change in the way they edited videos and movies. So you did get a lot of movies like, I remember like Max Headroom. Yeah. Right. Very heavily MTV influenced. It was very mm -hmm. digital mm -hmm. and kind of like 18 TVs all over the place type of thing, which was a pretty common MTV video design, right? Just like a bunch of TVs playing shit. Well, you would start seeing reviews, for instance, for like Top Gun, where they say, oh, Top, it's MTV. It's just like. MTV. Yeah. It's like MTV in planes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, of course. Miami Vice heavily benefited. Oh my God! From the Miami the style Vice was an extended editing. Phil Collins video. Basically. <laughs> really Phil was. Collins and um, uh, Glenn Fry was also heavily, heavily involved in kind of that whole Miami Vice scene. And when he did Smuggler's Blues, they did a little mini movie of him smuggling dope with yep. using his girlfriend to smuggle dope yep. or yep. whatever. Yep. And and the the fact that they kind of glamorized that is kind of. Pretty, but that was the but 80s. That was the 80s. The it was, 80s it was, was a cocaine excess. decade. It was yeah. all excess. It was all kind of like aspirational commercialism. Oh, yeah. A shameless commercialism. It really was. It was. It, but, yeah. but, I mean, remember, this is the decade of... of um, Wall Street. Wall Street. Yeah. And Greed is Good and Gordon, Gordon Gecko. Gecko. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> His last name is a lizard. <laughs> Bud Fox. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, oh, who didn't want to have a boyfriend that was like Bud Fox, except no one should have wanted to have no, a boyfriend. No, he's a terrible, terrible guy. He's a guy. terrible guy. Well, I mean, at the end, he redeems himself a little bit, but yeah. he's a terrible guy. But that's what you... want a boyfriend you know, like Emilio Estevez's dad. Oh, Martin Sheen. Martin Martin Sheen, hardworking guy, yeah. working you at know, the airline. Straight shooter. Put his kid through college. Absolutely. Sheesh. Good job, bud. <laughs> so let's take a pivot away from the history and the sort of the big picture of M MTV, and let's talk about our favorite videos and our least favorite videos. All right. So one of the things that I'm going to do is I'm going to stipulate that all Duran Duran videos Videos are the best. All Duran Duran videos are better than all other videos. That's right. Okay, so we eliminated so, them from, so from I can't, our choices. I can't have them in. That was that. It wouldn't be fair for me to include them. So, Mark. Yes. Would you like to go first? What I, is your? I have so many. It's favorite. so hard. All right. I'll tell you a video that I liked, even though I wasn't a huge fan of the band, and it's Hot for Teacher. Okay. Now, obviously, there are. There are some obvious reasons to like that video, right? <laughs> but I just thought that the 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 whole, you know, I don't feel tardy, and they had the kids kind of playing them. Yes. I just thought that was so cool and funny and clever. And then you have Eddie, like, you know, walking down the lunch tables doing his doing his guitar solo. I just thought it was a great, great video. It is a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a huge fun video, and you, you couldn't not like it. The Van Halen songs that came out on video. Oh, I had, always so good. You had, had to like them. Okay. And, and another band that was like that, and I don't want to put them as one of my favorites, but ZZ Top had very good oh, videos. excellent videos. And I they mean, always and, had, like, a good story in oh, their Oh, yeah. Videos. It's like, well, it mostly was, if you get this magic car, you're getting laid, right? Well, yes. If the car shows up, you're good. <laughs> the chicks jump out of the car and there's like, you know, dry ice everywhere. You're in, you're in like swimwear, <laughs> in there like swimwear. All right. So my first one that I, like is, is my favorite and I can't get this out of my head. And so I'm going to, I'm going to go with it is uh, Ultravox reap the wild wind. That's not a mainstream no, pick there, I but know. you're not mean, mainstream. I'm you're, not mainstream. You're so edgy. I'm not. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Wait till I tell you why it's my favorite. Oh, yes. Please um, do. Uh, so you might have thought I would have gone for Vienna, but no, because Midyear's mustache in Vienna was too. It's too cheesy for you. It's 
It's distracting. It took yeah. me out of the fantasy. However, in Reap the Wild Wind, for whatever reason, works. So I I really enjoy it. It's a video that combines several things that I like, which is one, Midjur, um, and Ultravox just in general. And then also a great story. They talk about, it's a story about history. Yeah. And then it's also a story about remembrance. So it kind of takes place across. You're the, so high-minded. And I picked one with hot chicks. The two, it's <laughs> like, it has, no, but it has the two world wars. Yeah. And then it has at the end there. So at the end, you realize that the, in real time, the guys are building a memorial. Oh, okay, in, gotcha. Yeah. In praise of I those. I haven't seen that. All who given all years. like everyone who's Did given. Did they have everything. like poppies on their? Mm-mm. No, no, yet? they just built that oh, okay. thing and then they pieced out. But right. it was it was a lot. I really like that video. So I had a lot of other ones that I wanted to put in here. Well, give me just. I mean, like few... sledgehammer, mm-hmm. white wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, addicted to love. Did you know? Very that, great, stylish video. Did you know that in in White Wedding, Perry is his girlfriend. Oh, really? And she plays the bride, and she, he when he puts the ring on her finger, it's actually barbed actually wire, blood. and it's actually blood. He goes, so she hardcore. goes, she goes, cut me, yeah. and he did. He's like, all right, all right, all right. I'm Billy Idol. <laughs> yeah, right, rock and roll. Oh, Mark, how does ow, Billy? Ow. How does Billy Idol sound when he gets stabbed? Oh, ow. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that on too many artists, but Billy Idol's definitely one of them. Oh, wow, wow. All right, all right. Oh, God, he stabbed me. All right, so the one I'm going to go with, uh-huh. because it to me it, it typifies some of the ridiculous imagery mm-hmm. in 80s videos, uh-huh. is Safety Dance. Oh, no. <laughs> it's got little people. It's got Armageddon oh, and nuclear bombs. No. It's got dancing through medieval villages. <laughs> What it's got a silly dance that people will do if to this day if that song comes on oh, with a little thing no. would you do a circle with your arms there? Well, you know. We can dance if we want to. We can leave your friends behind. Cause your friends don't dance and if they don't dance, well that no friends of mine. See, we can go where we want to. They so they will never find. And we can act like we come from out of this world, leave the real one far behind. We can dance. Oh, no, I can't. I can't. I hate that song. hate the video. All of it. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. <laughs> but what, what's your next one? Or do you have a couple other honorable mentions you want to run through? Um. Yeah. I mean, I love Adam the Ants, uh, Jolly Roger, oh, yeah. and I love one. Goody Two Shoes, and um, Bananarama, well, Wildlife, sorry. Venus. Love that. Well, you did a whole dance. I do know how to do the Venus dance. <laughs> uh, Sinead O'Connor, um, Nothing Compares to You, such a powerful video yeah even though it's just her lip pretty simple it's yes. still very yeah. very powerful your rhythmics the um sweet dreams great. sweet they dreams is amazing thompson twins dr doctor loved it i loved it well, you can see what kind of music i yes, like yes we can <laughs> see certainly but i'm gonna go for the honey dripper sea of love oh really now yeah. that was now when did that come out like late 80s yeah come with me You like that one, huh? Yeah, I like that one. I mean, it was very another one, another with a story, and I thought that the color of it was just beautiful. Yeah, okay, so so artsy. I mean, what can I tell you? I'm I, I was very influenced by the '80s, Mark. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm very artistic. Unlike me, you know, <laughs> I'm extremely artistic. You are. Yeah. All right. So now, tell me your one of your worst ones. All right. I think this is even mentioned in the book we were reading, but I just when they mentioned it, I was like, yeah, that one did suck. And that's Private Eyes by Hall and Oates. <laughs> it's so bad. You know, Daryl Hall is like, yeah, I really didn't want to do it. And the whole video is just me looking uncomfortable wearing a trench coat, like, a, <laughs> like a, some kind of creeper. So it's just terrible. It's There's nothing interesting about it. And anytime it would come on, 
I would take a bathroom break or something. It was <laughs> yeah, just horrible. I, that's when I would flick. Yeah. All right. My one of my ones that I don't like. God, I can't stand it. Safety dance. Centerfold. Really? I just hated that video. Even though it's got a story. It does? I just, I hated it. And I don't know why. I just didn't like the video. I liked the song, yeah. but I did not like the video. All right. Yeah. You didn't like the kids, like, you know, sitting in the know. classroom. I just, and... it just, it was a weird video and I just didn't like it. I feel like there was a lot of objectification in well, that. Well, obviously no shit. there was. <laughs> yeah. So, but right. I, that wasn't why I didn't like it then. I would, unless I had just like kind of an unconscious recoiling from it. Right. But, okay, what's another bad one? Uh, another bad one? I think at the time they were calling themselves Starship. We, we built, built this the, No, you know what they built? We built this shitty fucking video that you're going to have to watch <laughs> 10 a times a day. Because that was a popular song. Fuck, that was so oh, I can't, shitty. I can't stand that song even to this day. I yeah. used to like the first 10 million times that I heard it, I thought it was an okay song. But then, no, oh my God. I never liked it. One of the most overplayed songs of the 80s. Oh, I swear so to you. So bad. Oh. You know what? We built the city, but we could still tear it down. Yeah, so be quiet. Shut up, Grace. Yeah. Slick. Oh, my God. It was just so <laughs> terrible. Her daughter, China, was like a guest VJ. She was like a special guest VJ. Oh, yeah? Um, okay, mine. You mentioned that you loved it. I hated it. Sledgehammer. Dude, that's a great video. I know you think so. That's I'm sorry. It's so groundbreaking. I know it, it Plus, was. Plus, it's produce. I Well, I'm sorry. I don't care for it. I just didn't What's like the song. What's wrong with it? I don't like the song. Oh, you are so wrong. People. I want everybody out there to call Christina and say, I want my sledgehammer. <laughs> and just hound her until she agrees to like that video. No, well, it won't make me like it. You can watch it all you want to, people, but I'm not going to ever enjoy that video. I just think it's dopey. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I think that there, one way that we can kind of round this out, we're talking about bad videos. And before we talked about videos that were sort of career makers, like from yeah. Billie Jean from Michael Jackson and right. you know, Girls on Film for Duran Duran. Probably more... Um, hungry like the wolf, though. Sure. Um, but we talked about all of those. Video could also be a career ender for MTV, people who weren't good at it. <laughs> MTV was could be very brutal if you were not good at it, or you weren't good looking, or, or you weren't good looking enough, or you were uncomfortable on camera. Yeah. Bob Seger, and this is something we heard in the book, right? He was a little bit overweight, and he was very sensitive about it, and he only let them shoot him like from certain angles in the dark. Like it was the whole Barbara Streisand syndrome, <laughs> yeah. right? And that made for really shitty videos. Right. Right. And there's and Bob Seger is not an MTV kind of guy, right? No, but he has a great voice. I yeah. Mean, oh, know, yeah. He's a great musician, but he's not great at videos. Mm -mm. And he was, you know, still straight, you know, because really as, as we progressed, we started to see that really more of the pop, new wave dance stuff made the best videos. Right. And someone who has had just as much musical cred, if not more, than Bob Seger actually stuck his toe into that pool, and that's Bruce Springsteen with Dancing in, Dancing in the Dark, dark. Yep. right? Because he that is his most disco-y pop song he ever made. Yeah. And he's up there doing the dance, right? He's doing the 80s dance up there after he pulls Courtney Cox up on stage. And, I mean, there were a lot of Bruce fans who did not like that. But, yeah, but like, so Bob Seger was definitely one of them. Who else was? Who else? Well, the one artist who claims himself that MT, MTV destroyed his career yeah. was Billy Squire. And I, I did watch that video again today. For and he he does a video for his song Rock Me Tonight, which yeah. is a great song. It's a gr it was a banging rock and roll song. Yeah, he's a very, very good vocalist, and he just looked like a fucking a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> he was really dancing, and not well. No. And they, uh, the the direction for the video was meant to be sort I can't of dance. in the vibe of American Gigolo. 
Uh, you know okay. the opening scene yeah, where yeah. Richard Gere is getting dressed and he's right, like, right. So that's what that the, didn't work. No, it, he didn't convey that at all. That was not conveyed. I don't know what it was. Like maybe it was when he was crawling along on the floor, really not like good. army crawling. Yeah. Or when at the end, spastically he, dancing, he changed his shirt so oh, that yeah. he had a pink tank top on. Right. And it for was a rock, a for a rocker, that was not a for a rocker. That a was not look. a not a. His fans did not approve. Industry. People have mentioned that, you know, it could just be that his career declined just naturally. Right. But all of them do sort of point a finger at that video and say, you know, that if it didn't really destroy it, it certainly didn't help him. Yeah. And he himself will say that that video destroyed his his, his, his career. career. Yeah. Wow. Well, sorry, Bill. Sorry, Billy Squire. I mean, exercise some more editorial control over your Not content, everyone bro. can be Simon LeBon. No, they certainly can't. No. no. Who, who can look like he's chasing while he's being chased he's through a forest. Just, I just, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mark, this was such a fun episode. It really was. You know what I think we need to do? No. I think we need to carry this on. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Because if some MTV is good, more MTV is better. More MTV is better. So everyone, we have something exciting to share. And that is the fact that finally, after a year of people asking us, we are actually going to have a Patreon. We are. Now, this is by no means us saying that you must support us on Patreon. If you can't, you can't, and that is totally fine. But we are going to have a little Patreon, and I think it's going to be like $5 a month as That's a subscription. Like one latte like a month. One, yeah, right. Like, not a Not venti. even, yeah, no, not a venti, but like a grind, <laughs> like a tall. It's like a tall. What that content is going to be. So, for instance, in this episode, we spoke about the extended version of Girls on Film. Right. And Reap the Wild wind and we're going to extend our conversation about that into analysis of the videos of the actual videos so mark will choose to i will choose to we have a rating system set up that's right beavis <laughs> it is the beavis and butthead rating system goes from this sucks <laughs> to yes all the way up to yeah yeah really rocks <laughs> so that is our rating system and then we have 80s tropes so what we'll be doing is again looking at a video judging it beavis and butthead style digging into maybe a little bit i mean it's me everyone so we're gonna be digging a little bit into the initial concept for the video um sort of the high-minded stuff and then we'll let mark talk about what's about going how hot on people are what's going on in the video <laughs> what dumb things are going on <laughs> So and then just drag it down into the We muck. are going to look for familiar 80s tropes which right. include but are perhaps not limited to Armageddon is a big one. Black and white for right. gravitas. Yes, women as decorative objects, which you know I can see that. That's fine. <laughs> You're fine with that That's one. Fine. Egregious and unnecessary symbolism and what's the last one? Oh, hairstyles as a character. Yes. Well, Nothing makes a better character than a, than good, a hairstyle. Than a good swoop. Yeah. That is correct. We're going to add in, obviously, some additional kinds of content. It's not just going to be all 80s videos all the time. So we'll, we'll have some other fun little bonus episodes for people who wish to hear Sometimes more. Sometimes we just have so much content that we can't cram it into <laughs> an hour and 15 minutes. That's correct. And so we are going to keep our podcast completely ad-free. All right, everyone, we really appreciate you coming to listen to us each week. If you do like us, we would appreciate it if you'd share us with a friend. Come and join us on our social media. We have a Facebook page. I have a Twitter at Serious Produce. Mark has a Twitter at Mark Eats Peach. Okay, Mark, I can't wait to record this episode about the videos This because just because of the research. Well, then you must uh, sign off right now. I will. Okay, bye. Peace out, Cub Scouts. Wow. Well, I can tell you, uh, when I was that age, Yacht Rock was not awesome. No, it wasn't. I didn't <laughs> like it. I mean, I was like, that's old people music. And it, now it is, too. <laughs> yeah, well, now now I've just grown into it a that's little bit. Right. But at the time, I was like, ugh, oh, you know, I, come on, dude. This is calming. I like yeah. it. You know what it is? Uh, it's smooth. It's smooth. <laughs> it's smooth. Wow. You know, I own a World War One helmet. I know you do. <laughs> I mean, it's plastic, but you know. I whatever. mean, <laughs> hey, soldier. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. We listened to this 
part of this book on a, in an audio format. It was an audio book. That was so fascinating. Oh, it really What's was the name of the book? Uh, give it a I shout out. I want my MTV. Yeah. It's it, a great book. It is. It really is. The reader of the book insisted on, on pronouncing Simon LeBon's last name as LeBon. LeBon. Le bon. So every time you every say time, it, Simon Le bon. I would go, LeBon. Oh, she's like, oh, I hate that. Okay. God. <laughs> it's a, I had to hear it twice, everyone. Yes. My God. Well, that's life with me. Ay, ay, ay.